Stephen Pritchard back with us again today and we are going to take a look at family trusts and reasons for and against setting them up for you. So family trusts on the menu today for Thursday Finance. We'll also check out the market, have our market update with Henry Jennings and see what's happening to my favourite. That's gold, isn't it? Thursday Finance and uh, let's take a look at what's happening around the trap. Stephen Pritchard, good to see you back again. Nice good to be back, Jane. Good to see you. <laughs> and, uh, well, and you don't have to start off with gold. I'll well, you can start off with gold because that's right. at the top of the list. So the gold was, you're not going to like that your hoard of gold was down $140.57 an ounce on the week uh, oh to $2,707.74. Um, there is, there is some, you know, you know, this isn't a prediction or anything, but there are some people saying that gold's going to go to $10,000 an ounce. So you might be right, Jane. <laughs> um, and the crude oil price was um, up 81 cents a barrel on the week to $63.27. Oh yes, yeah. okay. That's the yeah. other thing to yeah. think about, yeah. isn't it? The fuel. Uh, yeah, the yeah. currency doesn't. The currency is really, you know, no one's going overseas, so that only really affects um, imports at the moment. So we're down against the US dollar by um, about 0.7 of a cent to 71.63. Against the Great British pound, we're 54.93 pence. Against the um, New Zealand dollar, we're one dollar and eight. And against the euro, we're sixty point seven five euro cents. So there's there's not really major movements there anyhow. Um, the all ordinary market, the equity markets around the world, there's lots of black ink there. So we're we're, we're doing okay if you're an equity investor. Um, or as it closed yesterday, anyhow. So we're up 76.7 on the week to six thousand two hundred fifty six. Oh, is that a near record high? Mm, no, I don't think so. Six two. We've been Six, over two. that, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, we've been over yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. okay. Not in not in the last you know, month or so. Um, the S and P five hundred was up thirty one point two to three thousand three hundred eighty. Um, the UK FTSE was up. Uh, 4% to 6,280. So um, we're all a bit wealthier this week. Um, um, stocks that local investors tend to hold. Um, BHP was up $0.09 cents on the week to $39.91. So we're getting close to for nearly to the uh-huh. 40 It's been over 40 in the past. Um, CBA was up $2.63 to $74.34 after if they came out with a... Uh, Unexpectedly, at my view, unexpectedly large profit, amazingly large profit. Um, and NIB was up uh, 21 cents to $4.68, and, and Telstra was steady at $3.39. Uh, the fuel prices $1.13.6 in Newcastle for unleaded, $1.19.3 in Sydney for unleaded, and the diesel $1.21 in Newcastle, and $1.17 in Sydney. So fairly pretty similar. Much, yeah, much. I think I actually think that. Um, you would have actually thought that the fuel price was falling more because, I mean, you, you know, a big consumer of the oil around the world is um, is the, the airlines and hardly any is flying, but I, I don't know whether you can convert jet fuel to, to you know, there's a whole lot of different products come out of a, a, a barrel of oil and they're not all interchangeable. And it is Thursday Finance to a new RFM. Stephen Pritchard, as usual. We are joined by Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Henry Jennings, how are you? Stephen Pritchard, I'm well. How are you? Missed you in the last few weeks. Ah, well, I was at a conference in Brisbane. Well, yeah, they still do those, do they? Yeah, well, I I could go last that week, but I can't go now. Right. 
right. I was the only one from interstate. Well, Jackson from our office was the only ones from interstate, anyhow. So. Wow, I thought everything was virtual now. No, 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 no. Real life people. Real life people. Wow. But it was all it was all kind of condensed. It wasn't like in previous years. Like lunch came in a in a cardboard box. There was no mm. none of these big buffet things. And They're called Happy Meals, Stephen. Yeah, well, it tasted <laughs> a bit like that. But anyhow, <laughs> yeah, so. So, and I was frisked, almost frisked when I went into Brisbane. So the, really? the army yeah. was at the airport there checking everyone coming in and making sure your form agreed to your licence so you couldn't just, uh, you know, put on yeah. some dodgy address and pretend yeah. you'd come from Melbourne or something. Anyway, yeah, so that was well, all that's good. But now I can't go up it at all. No, well, there you go. Yeah, so... It's, uh, a, it's a brave new world in so many ways. Yeah. Could, could be the be last worse, one. Could be in Melbourne. Yeah, exactly. Well, we, we, yeah, I, you missed out on your lunch in yeah. Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah, could luckily. be the last face-to-face conference you've done for a while, Steve. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, CBA, uh, yeah. CBA came out with, I thought, a remarkably good result. Me too. I thought, I thought it was a pretty solid result. I think Matt Common has done a, a pretty darn good job over at CBA. Um, the problem is, is that CBA, I think, is down around 8 or 9% for the year to date, mm-hmm. whereas the other three banks are around 25% down. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of see that CBA has kind of knocked the lights out in comparison to the other three. So it's really a relative valuation kind of basis. And I think there has been a little bit of a rethink today on CBA. Uh, the stock's down around 2.8%. So um, clearly growth is, is not going to be easy to come by. But you'd have to say, you know, they, they've put away so much money in that big hollow log for provisions if, if the world goes horribly pear-shaped, which it does look <laughs> as if it's going to at the moment, mm-hmm. um, that if it doesn't go horribly pear-shaped, they can bring that money back out of provisions and show some really good uh, numbers in the coming years, all things being um, positive. But, um, of course, that depends on lots of factors out of their control. But, no, I I thought that the number was was pretty good. They paid out a dividend. That's something that we haven't, you know, (laughs) it's a bit of a luxury these days. A lot of people have come to rely on dividends for their income, of course. Yes. And um, it has become a luxury item in the stock market. uh, 98 cents a share. 98 cents a share. They 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 were nudging up against the 50% APRA recommended Maximum. nudge nudge yeah. wink wink mandatory uh, payout ratio. So um, yeah, that that was you know I think that's that was a strong signal to the market. I think Commons done a a pretty good job. I've got to say in a, in a tough world, but um, clearly there are some headwinds to say yeah. the least. Yes, and the other the other kind of shopping centres of Australia, I thought result was reasonably good too. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure we've seen the full um, the full kind of issues there. Yep. But um, yeah, it, it wasn't. <coughs> excuse me, wasn't um, wasn't too bad at all. Um, so I think it's all about managing expectations as well, mm-hmm. and I think the market was uh, expecting probably worse, mm-hmm. um, given anecdotal sort of evidence about what's going on. And I guess there's lots of people that are still paying rent, but not actually having um, you know, uh, the shops open so much. Mm. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I guess the, these guys are also the smaller, uh, more 
local yeah, end the, of the yeah with a large the, percentage of the rents are over fifty percent coming from Coles and Woolworths. So, yeah, uh, which which you know yeah. they they they're going gangbusters. Yeah. They're both sort of at, at record levels, really. The West, you know, the Coles, mm. the Woolies, um, West Farmers, all that consumer staple stuff. If you call Bunnings and Office Works staples, mm-hmm. which I suspect you do now. Um, then um, yeah, no, it's, it's it's I guess it's the one sector that's um, really held up. Whereas, funnily enough, discretionary retailers have also been going well. In fact, retail sales mm. are actually going gangbusters. It's we amazing, seem to be wealthier and spending more than ever. Yes, <laughs> and the other the other result that was um, the other good result before we have a break is Magellan was up um, about twenty million. Yeah, which isn't too bad. No. Um, Magellan is a is an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, it's it's got um, rock star fund manager Hamish Douglas mm-hmm. at the helm, which is always good. The company itself, I mean, it's not cheap. As a fund manager goes on a global basis, it's not cheap. It does also have um, a big product bias to international markets. So if yep. international markets took a tumble, I think seventy six percent of their funds are focused internationally. Um, and the other interesting thing is they're pushing into low-cost um, fund management as well, a bit like running their own ETFs, I guess. Um, and I suspect the danger is that they kind of cannibalise their business. Yeah. And um, that's a much lower margin business. <coughs> and uh, as a result, it could have a bit of an impact on their sort of normal fund management business, which, of course, is much higher margin. So, um, you know... This is one that is very leveraged to equity markets when we're seeing all-time highs amazingly in the U.S., even with 30 million people yeah, on unemployment benefits. It's amazing. It's, it's strange, isn't it? Yeah, it's a um, disconnect from the real world, I reckon. Well, it, it, that's what they say, and I, you know, I, it's hard to argue with that sometimes, but um, yeah, it's clearly don't fight the Fed still applies when they're printing money, but it's... Mm. Um, yeah, Magellan very much leveraged to that uh, global and international equity market story. Thursday Finance and Stephen Pritchard. We are chatting with Henry Jennings and we're in the middle of our market update. So um, Sydney Airport came out and they lost <laughs> 52 million. Um, I was surprised it was so little, to be honest. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Have you looked up at the sky recently, Stephen? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, the loss was so little. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, the loss was so little. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. I guess I guess it comes down to uh, timing issues. Yeah. Um, and maybe they're still charging all those uh, people rent at the airport that have got their shops there. But yeah, I mean th- this one's raising two billion dollars, um, and this is basically to not not survive, but I guess um, yeah, it's I wouldn't like to say that about them, but it's it's a problem for them. They're talking about. You know, not getting back to pre-COVID levels for four years. Yeah, yeah, that seems that this this timetable seems to be stretching out. You know, eighteen months, two years, four years. Yeah, yeah, you know, and you, it's basically at the moment, it's 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 no longer the car park; it's an aeroplane park. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's um, that, that's the problem. Even when um, you know we open up the economy, when um, in some halcyon sort of future where everything is bright and rosy again and everything's opened up and you can can fly to a conference in Brisbane, you know, mm-hmm. will we be rushing to get on aeroplanes? And certainly international travel is going to be mightily uh, tested for some time, even in Europe at the moment where 
you know, they, they were on top of COVID. They're seeing big mm. outbreaks again mm. now in mm. Spain, Greece, um, Germany, France. So you know, the, the summer weather has brought out the tourists, which is great, and they're all out and about boosting the economy. But the, the flip side of that is that they're spreading the, the germs. So yeah. I think Sydney Airport is going to really, really struggle. And if, if let's, let's look at, you know, four years out on the time horizon as well, you're also starting to creep into Badgery Creek land as well mm-hmm. in terms of the, the new airport. So, um, you know, they had a, a fair runway, if you pardon the pun, before that airport came in and, and gave them competition. Um, not that it's going to be in the same sectors, maybe, but, um, you know, in four years' time, if they're just getting back to where they were in um, December, January last, you know, this year, that's a long, long way to... Mm-hmm. Investors are going to have to be very patient. Right. I can't really see why you'd want to be in it for patient. I know that there's the sentiment trade for travel stocks when things open up or we get the Sputnik Five um, mm. vaccine you, from you, Russia. You can try that before me. Well, <laughs> I, I, I actually I was watching the guy from the Russian the uh, the Russian sovereign wealth fund yesterday, and he and. I, you know, he made some good points. He had been tested for six years, this this vaccine, not the COVID vaccine, but the delivery method, because okay. they used it originally for Ebola, SARS and MERS, okay. and they've attached other things to it. And because it's been tested before and proven to be relatively safe, um, I'm using the term relatively because you're right, I'm not sure I'm rushing to take mm-hmm. a Russian vaccine, but um, they, they have got technology that goes back further than... Know, two blokes in the lab in the last couple of months putting something together and saying, yeah, this works. So, um, but yeah, Sydney Airport, it eludes me why you'd want to be around, apart from the odd sentiment bump um, with mm. travel stocks. I just can't see it for the mm. next, you know. Four Qantas years. isn't going to be flying till July internationally. Four years is a long time. Four years, the world can, you know, anything could happen mm. in four years. So, um, I, 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 in that space, in the infrastructure space, I think um, Transurban still, um, despite the fact that Victoria is in lockdown, still is the best exposed in terms of that um, you know, critical infrastructure with unique um, dominance and uh, a good revenue stream, which is protected by, you know, by the mandated 4% rises every year. You, you would have and, thought Transurban would recover faster. I mean, if people are going yeah, not yeah. not go on the public transport, that's right. You know, you're going to be using Transurban. I know, and what what astounds me, I remember when uh, Hills Motorway, as it was then before it became the M2, when it opened, I think it was two dollars fifty. I mm. went on it the other day, driving out to the Southern Highlands, and it's up to about seven dollars mm. eighty. Mm-hmm. You know that that's. That sneaks up on you, doesn't it? And, mm-hmm. You know, four percent on two dollars fifty isn't much, but four percent on seven dollars eighty. Mm-hmm. And the next, next few years, that's going to be ten, twelve, 10 dollars, 14, yeah. 15, 16. It's 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 nice revenue. It's great. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I much prefer Transurban Sydney Airport. I think you can leave that one well alone for the time being. Yes, I think so. And then um, computer shares profit fell as well, which kind of surprised me. Yeah, I guess it is. I mean, there's been a lot of trade, hasn't there? There's a lot of trades, you know. <laughs> a lot of trades. Record, um, record prices around the world. Record, you know, so I would have surprised at that, Phil, but yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I guess, you know, computer share to some extent has diversified away from just being a share registry uh, here and elsewhere and has got big operations in the 
GDP number came out yesterday. It was down 20% or something. Mm-hmm. And, this is, you know, and this is an economy that has kind of opened up a bit and still struggling. So, um, And, of course, no one wants to mention the B word again today, mm-hmm. which, <laughs> which is now four months away. Yes. And yeah. no resolution, not even able to talk to each other, really, in person, which may be a good thing. Might, have to, be re- might have to be rolled over again. Anyhow. The longest running saga in the world, isn't it? Yes. Anyhow, we'll, we'll talk to you again next week, Henry. Thanks, Stephen. Okay. Thanks, Thank Henry. you, Henry Jennings from Marcus Today Financial Newsletter. Thursday, Finance and Family Trusts. Now, what would be the reasons, Stephen Pritchard, for setting up a, a family trust? Um, fam- family trusts are set up for, for, for t- one of two main reasons. I mean, the first... First reasons they're commonly set up is for some asset protection. Mm-hmm. So um, you know you can you can transfer assets into the family trust and and to a certain extent um, if you run them properly um, those assets can be um, protected from creditors or um, um, uh, beneficiaries in a will dispute um, because they don't form part of your estate. And and the other major reason you can set up a family trust is for um, um, tax planning, mm-hmm. whereby um, the trustee can split the income between the various beneficiaries um, of the trust um, and you can pass the assets down to... Um, to other generations without without crystallising any capital gains tax issues, which you can do outside of a family trust as well, but it's just an easier structure. And there's um, discretion of um, who gets income or capital from year to year. So it's quite a flexible structure um, to, to organise your, your distributions of income from various family members from one year to another. So does do you need to have a large family to think about setting up a family? No, trust? it depends what your it depends what your um, it depends what your your objectives are. Um, um, no, not really. Um, you know, you know, there's various reasons you might want to do it. I mean, mum and father might just want to do it, and um, and then they've they've got some grandchildren. Um, they might want to give some give some income to the grandchildren, but want to retain control of the capital. Um, so a family trust is one way of doing it. Um, you might have a child you want to send to university and pay for some of the university expenses out or living expenses. Uh, but you, once again, you want to control the capital, so you can just give them the income. So there's various reasons why why you want to may, may to do that. And, you know, the, you can also use it. And it's not only restricted to that, depending on the trustee, you might, you might want to um, have... You might have some investment assets and you might want to give some money to charities and you might want to change the charity from year to year. And, and once again, you know, you don't want to give them the capital. You just want to give them the income from year to year. Um, so a family trust can, can facilitate that as well. Okay. But the, uh, the, the, the onus for paying tax is... On the beneficiary. On the beneficiary. So right. if so it's the, a child, there's probably not a lot of other income coming in Well, it in depends. I mean, yeah, yeah but, but it depends. If you give the child who's less than 18, yeah. um, they, they actually pay um, tax at the top marginal rate on the income above $416. Right. Right. So you don't you don't get a lot of income splitting or, or 
tax sharing on on people less than um, eighteen, okay. right? So a tr- family trust is basically a flow, what, what you'd call a flow through vehicle. The trust, provided it distributes all the income, doesn't pay any tax itself, and the tax falls on the on the on the beneficiaries who who receive it. And the people who've set up the trust, of course, then don't have to have that tax burden for no, the no, total amount. No, well, they don't. They don't receive, provided it's done properly, and there's a few rules you need to comply with. Um, yeah, so the the end beneficiaries of the of the income pay the pay the tax. Um, so so there's a couple of disadvantages here. I mean, you there know, has to there's be. always yes. disadvantages. Yes. Um, you know, the trustees can also be beneficiaries. I mean, using a family trust, you've got a range of beneficiaries and the trustees decide from year to year who gets the income. Um, the trustees could um, exercise their discretion and, and pay the income to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um that's yeah, you know, it's a possibility. Particularly, particularly, you need to be careful of that if you've got a blended family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, second partner set up the trust, and you know, it goes one passes away. The same type of issues. It doesn't go to to who's expected. Um, trust assets, assets in the family trust don't form part of a person's estate, so they can't actually be left. Right. Okay. So you need to you need to when you're drafting your will you need to take particular care um, how the will's drafted and and what the trustee says. So you need to do um, a bit of proper estate planning. You can't just go along and get the hundred dollar will done. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, is there any limit on the kind of assets there are? So could it be uh, could be shares? Could be uh, shares, property, property uh, as well, term deposits. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, royalties, um, any, anything basically. You what want about to a, a house? Could it you be can a put house? a house in there. Okay. Yeah, you can put a house in there. Um, you wouldn't, you wouldn't normally put your own house in there because you'd lose the capital gains tax exemption. But you know, if you've got okay. some investment properties, you could put them, put them in there. Now, bear in mind that transferring assets to a family trust may involve um, capital gains and or stamp duty costs. Uh, mm. it's Usually better to buy them in the trust to start with and avoid all that. But but you can transfer them. There's various reasons why you may want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, now this is a if you if you think this is a good idea, and we'll give the income to the kids and get Centrelink. Um, but um, Centrelink kind of looks through the trust vehicle and will assess you anyhow. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not going to avoid any. Um, Assessment of your yeah. So income. you've got five million dollars, and you want to give your assets away to this trust, mm-hmm. so you can get settling benefits. It's not going to work. Okay. Um, okay. Um, and then once again, we talked about this. You know, if the if the trustee becomes incapacitated, um, and their 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 legal personal representative takes over, um, you need to make sure there's clear clear instructions as to how the assets of the trust. Are treated particularly if the trustees are beneficiary, um, because yeah. you know it's the same. There's been numerous superannuation cases where, um, particularly once again, blended families, one partner passes away, the trustee exercises his discretion or her discretion, mm-hmm. and pays the benefit to um, herself or her children or his children, and ignores the other side of the family. Right. Yeah. So you need to need to have a look at that, um, and then of course there's there's the costs of um, running these things because they everything you set up costs money to run. So yes. Yeah. So we can talk about costs a bit later. But but yeah, that depending 
you know, how, how large the thing is, the, the costs can add up as well. Thursday Finance, uh, Stephen Pritchard, we're looking at um, family trusts. Now, we've looked at uh, pluses and minuses, perhaps, of why yeah. you'd like to set up a, a family um, we'll trust. We'll talk about the roles and how you set one up, I think, next. Yeah, yeah. why not? So basically you need um, at least three type of different people involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually four. So first of all, you've got the settler. Now, the settler's the person who actually starts the family trust. Now, that's usually someone who's a close friend or, 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 or probably the accountant. Um, and there's reasons why the settlers, there's tax issues about why the settler shouldn't be with the parents or the grandparents. So then usually what happens, the settler starts the trust off with a normal sum, you know, $100 or something. And then these other assets that you want to put into the trust are, are transferred in or acquired in the trust name after the trust has been established. So you need the settler, you need the trustee. Um, Now the trustee can be um, an individual or individuals or a company. Um, Usually we recommend a company because there's there's issues about if a person passes away. The same issues are super fun really. The issue is that if people pass away there's also this problem in transferring property. The company has perpetual succession. If someone passes away you just need to replace them as a director and it also gives a clear dividing line between the trust property and um, the trustee's individual property. So if the property's in the company name, it's the trust property. It's the individual's name, it's not the trust property. Um, and then, of course, the beneficiaries. The beneficiaries are the most important thing, you would think. Um, now, the beneficiaries, a standard family trustee um, usually only names one beneficiary and then names the other beneficiaries by description. So you'd name either the mother or the father or both um, and then you'd say the, 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 the son or daughter or stepchildren or grandchildren or, or nieces and nephews and that type of thing. So then the, when it comes to the end of the year, the trustee can look down the list of uh, beneficiaries or the classes of beneficiaries and see which child or, 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 or children are going to get some income. Now, the trustee has to consider those people. He can't just say that little Johnny's upset me this year, I'm not going to give him any money. It has to sit down and, and, and go through and think about, um, you know, take their interests into account. Um, the trustee doesn't have to actually give a reason why they made a decision, um, but they have to show that the, you've actually gone through that. And it's usually required to be documented in a minute prior to the 30th of June as to how the income is going to be distributed. Now, most trustees um, have a, a person called the appointer, and the appointer uh, has got the power to re- to appoint and remove the trustee. So while the trustee makes the decisions, this other person, if the trustee doesn't do what those person like, they can replace the trustee. So that's an important position, particularly so, when you, yeah. you're planning your estate um, down the track, you need to think about who's going to actually be in a position to control the trustee. And of course, you're setting up the situation where you may no longer yeah, have Yeah, so, so basically, these trusts generally have a, 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 in New South Wales, mm-hmm. um, generally run for 80 years, can run for up to 80 years. So you, we're talking, you know, in most cases, um, after you've gone, this thing's yeah. still going to run on. Yes. Um, so, so, so those are the people involved or the roles yes. involved. And to pull it all together, you need a trustee. Um, the trustee is generally drafted by the lawyer. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to go and get one of these family trusts, I wouldn't go on to one of the websites and order the trustee because unless you know what you're doing, 
you're probably not going to do it properly and you'll get yourself into all sorts of problems, which will cost more to straighten out than it would have cost to mm. do to start with. Um, and then there's the costs. We've got a bit of time to run through the costs. Yes. So um, usually um, it will cost you about $2,000 to set up. So that would include the, the trustee, um, getting the stamp duty of $500 and a corporate trustee. So you're talking around $2,000 to set up. And then each year you're going to have to do the minutes, you're going to have to do a set of financial statements and um, the tax returns. So you're probably looking at a minimum of $2,000 there as well. Meaning you don't do it yourself? We can try. Yes. Okay. And once again, trusts are more technical than your personal return. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 you need, depending on what asset's in and what state you keep the records in so you know a lot of this you know you've got good records and but if you've lost the statements and you lost the rental statements and someone's got to go to the agent and get the agent you know, all this adds to your cost and of course you know the bigger the investments you've got in there or, or the larger the you know things the more it's going to cost so so you can get a quote on that i mean really if you haven't got you know a, f- a few hundred thousand dollars of assets to put in here it's probably not worth worthwhile um, and of course you've got to get a tax file number um, mm-hmm. and all those usual things open a bank account um, and and make sure you keep the assets of the trust separate from your own assets and they all cost money to do as well don't they everything costs money to do them. everything costs <laughs> money to do yes. although there are still some banks who uh, who will offer um, uh, Free bank accounts, I think, but I don't know whether they offer them for trusts. Mm. So um, you're probably going to end up for you know ten dollars a month for the bank account or something. Yeah. So you know you need to make sure that it's you know it's worthwhile to have um, and, and it's going to fit in your objectives because it costs money to run. So it's usually a good idea to chat that over with somebody who does know what. Yeah, happens. go and chat to you, have a reason to do it. And, yeah. You know, and, yes. And and and, and, and bear in mind if you're going to start moving assets into mm. it. Yeah. Um, you've got capital gains tax issues, maybe, and stamp duty, maybe. Okay. Uh, so, yes, it, would it be better to have a large family before you think about doing that? doesn't have to. Uh, look, if you're going to start acquiring significant assets, it's probably best to think of this up front. Mm. Um, because there's, you know, say, say, say for example, you, you were going to acquire uh, um, some commercial property and what you're thinking is down the track, you, you, when you're retired, you want to do take half the rents for yourself and half for your spouse mm. and and at this stage in time you were working and your spouse wasn't well what you'd want to do is give the income to the for to the spouse while you're mm-hmm. working and yes. she's not and then when you retired you probably want to distribute the income some other way um, probably half and half now a family trust will facilitate that um but you need to probably, because of the stamp duty consequence and capital gain, you need to think about this up front. So when you're acquiring significant assets, you probably need to think about if you want this other structure set up up front. Mm, okay, so plenty to think about in setting up a family trust. And uh, thank you very much, Stephen Pritchard. Thank you, Jane. And we'll be back with Thursday Finance next Thursday after the midday news on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.